Okay, um, a couple things before we get into it. We forgot to sing happy birthday to Madison. Where's Madison? And uh, I don't sing. So can we pretend to sing happy birthday to you? Okay, happy birthday to you. And then we have the singles activity tomorrow. Um, I need you, if you're going, to make sure you pay tonight. <coughs> if you want to go and you've not let us know, it's very important that you tell us uh, tonight because we have to give them a number. We'd want you to come. I know it's a little pricey, $54, but uh, we'd like you to go. And um, if you can, that'll be great. If not, we'll have a great time with the ones that, that come with us. But we have to nail that down tonight. And so make sure you pay and make sure Evelyn, I believe, will be out here. And so let's make sure that we are ready for that. Let's get to our, 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 our book here. We've been looking at the last chapter of our discipleship book, and we're, we're looking at spiritual fruit. And we mentioned the fact that when we're, when we're saved and we start to grow in our faith, the Spirit of God will uh, start to... Um, the Spirit of God will start to work in our lives and will develop fruit. It's not something we can develop ourselves. And we looked at the works of the flesh, which basically fight against the fruit of the Spirit. And so we need to make sure that we're, that we're watching out for that. But we're going to start looking at the individual aspects of the fruit of the Spirit starting tonight. And there are nine of them. We're looking at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23, and we're going to start with the first one. The fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. Love is vitally important, and of all the qualities, is probably one of the most important. I believe it's the motivation for a lot of the others. And uh, to understand that it's important, <coughs> we would think of the last verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we call the love chapter. And the last verse, it's not in your book, says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. And of course, by charity, we mean love. So when we say love is most, one of the most important qualities, it's because God has said it is one of the most important important in qualities. The love, of, the love of God is really the motivation of, a, of our lives to allow God to work and produce fruit. And by the way, this world, this world really needs love. We don't understand what really what love is. We think <coughs> we get confused and we think of it in terms of, of other things which we will look at. It motivates us not just to love God, but it motivates us to love others. And when we, when we think about love and loving others, what are we talking about? Are we talking about some emotional feeling towards other people? No. If you read through the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about a bunch of actions. Love is shown in our actions. That's what happened when it comes uh, when, it, when it comes to even the love of God. Some people say that the fruit of the Spirit is love and the other eight qualities are, are, uh, uh, the, result, are the result of love. They'd say that fruit you know, is singular, love. No, that, that's not how the word works. It can be used in, as, in, in plural as well. So all of these different character qualities we're going to look at are important, but the motivating factor, 
The number one factor we need to understand is love. We tend to think of love as a feeling. And if that is true, that love, it is true that love can, 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 can be a feeling, but <coughs> love at its core is not a feeling. If love were a feeling, there'd be a bad part about it. It comes and it goes, okay? How many of you understand feelings are, are fickle, yeah. right? How many of you get up, oh, it's good. You know, you, you feel good about something and all of a sudden it's like, I don't have it. That's because that's your feelings, Feelings are not static. They're kind of all over the map. That's why people say, you know, <coughs> well, I fell out of love with you. You don't fall out of love with somebody because love's a decision. Okay, when you decide to love somebody, you're, you're incorporating all of that. Uh, and if love was a feeling, it would be at the whim of our emotions, which can be unstable. I heard this story. There was a husband who was coming out of anesthesia after a very serious surgery. His wife was sitting out of his bed, sitting at his bedside, and, and you know, when he first started coming out, he was really groggy, and he looked at his wife and said, wow, you are so beautiful. His wife was flattered. And then he, he, she sat there by him, and he passed out, and he, he woke up, and he started to, to, to get a little more coherent, and he looked at her and said, wow, you're cute. And she said, wait a minute, a few minutes ago you said I was beautiful, now you said I'm cute. What happened? He goes, the drugs are wearing off. Okay. That's kind of how love is if it's a feeling. We, <coughs> we, we experience the, the, the good parts of it, and then when things get tough, the feeling goes away. Right? We joke around and say, honeymoon phase, right there. Okay. And we're saying, look, the honeymoon phase, and, and by the way, we're not being, we're not being uh, negative when we say this. The honeymoon phase wears off, and it does. Marriage is new. Living with each other is new. All the excitement of building a life together is new. And then 10 years from now, it's not new. Okay? <coughs> it doesn't mean you don't love, because you ought to love deeper 10 years down the road than you do up front. It's just past that excitement level. Now it's a committed. Now it's a core. You've built something very strong. And so that's what we're talking about. Love is an action. If it's only based on feelings or outward circumstances, then it is easily lost and manipulated. By the way, that's why a lot of marriages don't work. Two people meet. They, there's an attraction there, and there's some things there, and it's like, I feel really good when I'm around that person. That person treats me right. They're fulfilling a need I have, and everything is the me, 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 right? But that's not how a marriage works. I've referenced an article on several occasions, and I want to I <coughs> read this to you. It's an article, it's, it's, it's called Marriage Isn't For You. It's by a man named Seth Smith. He wrote this article several years ago, and he was flying somewhere, and he said, I, I, he posted it. He had a small uh, following on um, some blog page, and he put it on there, and he said he was shocked to find out that he got on the plane, he's like, you know, I had 100,000 views. And then he started looking, and he said, every time I looked at it, an hour or so later, it's like, it wasn't just going up substantially, it was going up big time because it struck a nerve with people. Here's the story. 
<coughs> he goes, having been married for only a year and a half, I've recently come to the conclusion that marriage isn't for me. Now, before you start making assumptions, keep reading. I met my wife in high school when we were 15 years old. We were friends for 10 years until we decided we no longer wanted to be just friends. I strongly recommend that best friends fall in love. Good times will be had by all. Nevertheless, falling in love with my best friend did not prevent me from having certain fears and anxieties about getting married. The nearer Kim and I approached the decision to marry, the more I was filled with a paralyzing feel. Was I ready? Was I making the right choice? Was Kim the right person to marry? Would she make me happy? Then one fateful night, I shared these thoughts and concerns with my dad. Perhaps each of us have moments in our lives when it feels like time slows down or the air becomes still and everything around us seems to draw in, marking that moment as one we will never forget. My dad, giving his response to my concerns was such a moment for me. With a smile, he said, Seth, you're being totally selfish. So I'm going to make this really simple. Marriage isn't for you. You don't marry to make yourself happy. You marry to make someone else happy. More than that, your marriage isn't for yourself. You're marrying for a family. Not just for the in-laws and all of that nonsense. I didn't say that, he did. Okay. <laughs> but for your future children. Who do you want to help raise them? Who do you want to influence them? Marriage isn't for you. It's not about you. Marriage is about the person you married. It was at that very moment that I knew Kim was the right person to marry. I realized that I wanted to make her happy, to see her smile every day, to make her laugh every day. I wanted to be a part of her family, and my family wanted to be a part, uh, and, and my family wanted her to be a part of ours. And thinking back on all the times I had seen her play with my nieces, I knew she was one with whom I wanted to build our own family. My father's advice was both shocking and revolutionary. It went against the grain of today's Walmart philosophy, which is, if it doesn't make you happy, you can take it back and get a new one. No, a true marriage and true love is never about you. It's about the person you love, their wants, their needs, their hopes, and their dreams. Selfish demands, what's in it for me? And love asks, what can I give? That's what love is. We see love, and by the way, sometimes we'll give out love to get love back. Sometimes we'll do things to get things back. But love at its core, as he presented in his little article, isn't about ourselves. It's about what can we do for someone else. Now, intrinsically, we are selfish, so we ask the question, then what's in it for me? What's to, keep the, what's to keep the people I love from running over me? Because when you love somebody and you do things for them, you will find out that, that more often than not, it's reciprocated. Yep. It's really selfishness that repels people. Yeah. It's love that draws them in. And so understanding that as a frame point, we need to understand that, that love is something that will be shown <coughs> in our actions towards others and towards God. It's not for us. By the way, sometimes we, and just to, to apply this here, we get involved in a ministry around church, you know, and, and you, you, you're helping people, and sometimes it doesn't go well. It's like, well, if that's what helping people is all about, I don't want it. Not everybody takes it. 
What happens is sometimes we are disappointed in, in people maybe we've invested in that, that fall short and, and, and we get discouraged instead of looking at the ones who, who God is working in their hearts. But you have to be willing to throw it out there. You have to be willing to, to love people at any cost. You say, that's why it's, that sounds very hard. That's why it's a fruit of the Spirit. See, when you think of love, all you're thinking about is, oh, I met somebody, and, and I feel really good about them, and they're blah, 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 blah. That's not love. Come see me in 40 years. And so we need to understand what love is. Love will be evidence, evident in the way, the things that we do. <coughs> it's not in our book, but it is in the book. 1 Corinthians 13, let me read these verses. If you have your Bible, you can flip there. Verses 1 to 3. Listen to what God says about love, charity. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. If you could talk like the most eloquent person, have the wisdom of God and, and say everything and yet you don't love somebody, it's like uh, take some keys and, and, and bang them together. It's just noise. It may be a nicer noise, but all it is is noise. It has no effect and it accomplishes nothing. Verse 2, <coughs> and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith, all these spiritual, great spiritual attributes, so that I could remove mountains. Can you imagine that? Have the faith to remove a mountain. He says, and have not charity? I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Sounds to me that God's major point of emphasis is on how we treat others. It seems like God wants us to love people. Verse 3, <clears throat> and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, willing to be a martyr, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Wait a minute, this is someone that was willing to give everything they had for someone in need. They were willing to die for something they believed, and yet... They don't do it out of love. They have some other motive. God says it's, it's no good. God, love is important. That's why Jesus gave us the two greatest commands in the Bible. We know that. They both have to do with love. Matthew chapter 22, <coughs> verse 36 to 40. Master, what is the great commandment in the law? One. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. That just makes sense. But we miss the key word. What's the key word in there? All. See, we want to pick and choose. We want to love God on our own level. We want to love God with our own measuring stick. And God says, you know what I want from you? I want everything. I don't want just a little bit. I want you to come towards me. I want you to come at me in a relationship with everything you have. I mentioned it before, and I'm not joking. Not one guy in here who, who, who met a girl and wanted to marry her would be okay if she says, I'll love you, but not 100%. You're not getting all. You'll get some. Because I got I to gotta do me. Okay? And I need my thing and this. And you'll, you'll get some. Don't worry. I'll be around every now and then. And, but but not, I'm not 100% in. Uh, no guy in his right mind would, do, would go for that. 
And by the way, no girl in her right mind would go for that. Why would God go for that? God says, I, I just want everything. That's why I don't have a lot of patience with, with half-hearted Christianity. I mean, let's just jump in. Let's just say, God, I love you. What do you want me to do? I'm in. All of my, all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind. For some of you, that's not a lot right there, okay? So he said, that's the first and great commandment. <coughs> but he gave us a second one, to love others. Verse 39. And the, and the second is like unto it. It's like, whoa, here we go. We're getting an extra one. Overtime. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. There, there, there's, look, love for God and love for others is so close, you cannot separate them. You can't. You know, people, I, I love God, but, it's, but people, I just, then you don't love God. I know people that think, you know what, I ain't going to church. They, they're, they're Christians, and they say they love God. It's just me and Jesus, my relationship. I don't need the church. How are you going to serve somebody? Those kind of people, and I know some, they don't give a dime to help anybody. They never share the gospel with anybody. They never serve God. They're selfish. How can you love others? We got to get out there and love everyone. It's so important. Now, one of the ways we fulfill the law is by love. We just read that in our, in our chapter <coughs> where, we get, where we get our verse for, um, well, not that, for the theme. For that chapter where we get that verse, he says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love <coughs> is fulfilling the law. We are never more like God than when we are loving. Because the Bible tells us that God is Love. Not that that's just a characteristic of God because it is. Right? For God so loved the world. But God commendeth his love. All those verses. But that's not just a description of the, what God does. <clears throat> it's a description of who God is. God at his core is love. And by the way, you ought to be thankful for that. Because if not, why in the world would he have anything to do with us? Why in the world would he have come to this earth? We reject him. You know, we've all, as the Bible says, we've all sinned, we've all gone our own way, and he still loved us. Yeah. It's a good thing that God is love, or we would be in a world of hurt. Love is in God's nature. <coughs> and love is in God's nature because it's who he is. 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. Don't tell me you're a good Christian if you're not loving. I've met some people that are like, man, we are, they're straight down the line in their beliefs and all this stuff, but they are just, they have the disposition of a, of a hornet. It's like if, they're fa if they smile, their face would shatter. Ah, but I'm standing for the truth. Why don't you love people? Isn't that, that's in the Bible, right? I believe the fundamentals of the faith. So do I. Love somebody. Okay, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you don't know my neighbor. Trust me, I know mine. Yeah. And they know theirs. So, you didn't catch that one. Thank you. But we got to love. God wants us to be loving. <coughs> and it's hard. We are to love our fellow Christians. There is nothing new about love. 
God stated that we are to love him in the Old Testament. Jesus upped the requirement of love in the New Testament by saying we're not just supposed to love God. We're just supposed to love others also. And we're to love them the way Jesus loves us. Now think about that. Look at John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Great. Okay, I, I get it. That's been mentioned. But look at the next part of the verse. This is where it gets dicey. As I have loved you. Hmm. Think about that. I'm not going to tell you to raise your hand because I don't know about raising mine here. But can you honestly say there are anybody on this earth you love as much as Jesus loved you? We need to move on. Look what he did for us. Look how he suffered. And I don't think we, that's our model. I don't know if we're going to get there, but we ought to try. I think if, if we're supposed to love Jesus the way he loved us, and maybe we don't get there, maybe we can be patient with people. Maybe we can love them. And it's hard. I get it. We stand for truth. And I get irritated at what's going on. But I can't hate people. <clears throat> and there are some evil people in this world. There are some evil politicians. But you know what? At the core of it, they're going to stand before God one day. They're not getting away with anything. And, and I don't say that. I, our, our president, I have, a, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of disagreement with him. Even before he had his, even before he started to lose his, his mental capacities. And by the way, the Democrats are evil for throwing him out there when he should be getting helped. But anyhow, that's a story for another day. But what did he get up and say? He just said this week, the 50th anniversary of, isn't, of, of Roe versus Wade. Thank God it's been thrown out in a lot of states. He attacked it. Now I'm pretty sure because of the English that someone else typed it for him. But he, he, I'm sure these are his sentiments that were attacking women's health. Okay, think with me for a minute. Help me, help me, help me, um, help me fix this. So, <coughs> the times my wife, I was going to say, the times my wife and I have been pregnant, but I'm not, she is her. The, the, the time she's been pregnant, we go to the doctor. There's prenatal. That's woman's health, is it not? It's women's re reproductive health. They're trying to make sure the baby is healthy. They're trying to make sure that, that everything goes well so, so the baby's protected and they can fix any problems that the baby's having. How is that women's health, but it's also women's health to go kill the very same baby? Those two just don't jive. Think it out. So it's health to try to make sure the baby, your baby, Adrian, it's, 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 it's woman's health to make sure your baby's healthy, but she could go have the same baby killed, and it's called women's health. What are we thinking? But, but let's get back to where I was getting here. I don't hate our president. I feel sorry for him. I don't want him to face God without Christ, but I'm going to stand up when he's wrong. And so we have to be very careful or else we get cynical. And I'm, I'm all for standing up for the right things. But sometimes we get so entrenched with our politics, which, again, a lot of that stuff, we're not, it's not our politics. It's just basic morality from the Bible that we're fighting the wrong enemy. Okay? We're fighting the wrong enemy. That stuff comes from Satan. And people that don't know the Lord believe it, get into some of that stuff. And so we stand up for what's right, but we ought to be loving. 
If they want to accuse us of anything, and I'm really getting off on here, if they want to accuse us of anything as a Christian, let them attack our beliefs. Don't let them attack our attitude towards them. Right? In our Sunday school class, I've been teaching (coughs) on the last few weeks on a good conscience. When Paul stood up before, I forget what, it's chapter 24, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was Agrippa, one of them. He said, I, I stand before you uh, uh, having exercised myself to have a, a, a good conscience before God. You know why? Because they were attacking Paul for his beliefs. How many times did he stand be, before these guys? And he had to eventually stand before he won to, uh, a Caesar. But he had to stand, and he was being accused of things that weren't true. But with a clear conscience, he could get up there and say that I've not mistreated anybody and you can't find anything in, my, else, anything in my life against somebody that's mean or cruel. It's just my belief system that they don't like. And so if you're not loving, you're not helping Christianity. And let me just say this, though. <coughs> Getting up and standing for the truth. Well, you get up there sometimes, Pastor, and, and you just say some things that are like, you've got to be kidding me. On a Sunday morning. And you're passionate about it. It sounds like you have a bad spirit about it. No, I'm passionate about it. Well, that's not loving. The truth always is loving. It's unloving to, to, to ignore the truth. Well, you know, I just didn't offend anybody, so we're just going to, you know, we'll say all nice things. And then they go out and their marriages are wrecked. They're not going to, or they, they, they go out and think that killing unborn babe, all this nonsense is normal, and their son's now a girl and all that stuff. Hey, listen, if they want to do that stuff, they're never going to point a finger at me and say, why didn't you say anything? Okay? And uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but full circle, we're back on the racetrack. <coughs> oh, he wants us to love people as he loves us. here's something we have to be careful of too. Sometimes we love a particular sin more than we love God. Right? We, We, if we do, we are not willing to obey God in that area. But if we love God supremely, and that's the concept I'm trying to get, we are willing to obey him in every area. You 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 can obey God sometimes without love. You're just trying to conform in Proverbs class, we talked about the fool. You know, if you beat them enough, they'll listen. But you cannot love without obeying. Okay? That's, that's Jesus-ology. That's not Steve-ology. We must love Jesus more than our sin. So you're going to say, so you never sin? No. But I'm not so, in, I don't want to be so entrenched in my sin that that's more important to me than my love for God. What's the greatest motivating factor in getting away from sin? Love for God. Not keeping your sin. I heard the most ridiculous clip this week. There's a, there's a, a very well-known pastor in evangelical circles, Andy Stanley. I've mentioned him before. He said the most ridiculous, he said a lot of ridiculous things. But he said one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard, John. He was in his church and he says, we have gay men and women in our church and they love God more than the Christians in our church. Here was his rationale. Because they know that God says what they're doing is wrong. And even though they know that God said it's wrong and they're going to keep doing it, they'll still worship him. Even though he won't, he's telling them not to do what they're doing. 
You have to have the spiritual IQ of a brick, and that's being generous. That is the most, in that case, y'all just need to go sin. Because if you'll sin a lot and keep coming to church and serve God, that shows you're willing to serve God even though you're disobeying him. What kind of foolish nonsense is that? And that's the kind of stuff that's being peddled as love in our society. And I'm tired of hearing this stuff, and maybe I'm going to violate everything I'm saying. And I'm tired of hearing this stuff, well, you know, the, the church has hurt the gay community, the transgender community. No, we haven't. When have we ever personally attacked them? What they're saying is if you stand up, and you can pick anything, if you stand up for any truth, you're hurting those people that don't like that truth. What? That's like saying we're hurting the unsaved by preaching the gospel to them. That is beyond ignorant, but that's what's happening now in our Christianity. You've got to love them so you can't say anything. And because we have said something, we've been unloving towards them. Why? Because we were against marriage? That marriage? No, that's biblical. It's not unloving. It's not political. It's biblical. But now if we're hateful to them, if we're hateful to them, then that is. But you don't love somebody by ignoring something they're doing that's wrong. Yep, that's right. Now, we don't get in their face personally. We don't walk up to somebody and say, hey, what's wrong? No, no. <coughs> but we know what truth we have and we stand for it. <coughs> okay? And that's just, that's just how it works. Yeah. But if we, I, 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 if someone is not going to like us, <coughs> Let it be because of what we believe, not the way we treat them. Does that make sense? Right? Well, I'm coming in here, Pastor Myers, and you preach against the sin, and that's going on in my life. I love you. I'll never mistreat you, but I'm not going to be quiet about whatever it is if I said something that's going on in your life. You know why? Because I want God's blessing in your life, and it doesn't happen unless you get in line with the book. Okay? Not to be mean-spirited to anybody. <coughs> Anyhow, we must love Jesus more than our sin, and we must leave, love Jesus more than ourselves. Yeah. Our love for Jesus is expressed by our obedience to his commands. It's very clear. <coughs> if we're looking at love for Christ, it's this. Love equals obedience. That's just how it goes. God's commands, by the way, and I won't spend a lot of time, are not hurtful. They are helpful because his commands are extension of his great love for us. If you have children and you love your children, you give them guidelines. You give them things they can do and you give them things they can't do. Well, my two-year-old wants to play with a knife. Nobody would give your two-year-old a knife. Right? Why? It's going to hurt them. Oh, you don't love the kid. The kid likes knives. Okay, Asher loves vacuums. I don't know why. You don't just give the kid something. It's unlo- No, it isn't. It's loving to keep them from something that would hurt themselves. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, <coughs> I would contend that it's, it's, it's unloving to let them do what they want. Yeah. yeah. It's called being a parent sometimes, by the way. God tells us, <coughs> 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, this is the love of God. 
that we keep his commandments. And then he wants to make sure our, our priorities are right. And his commandments are not grievous. They don't cause trouble. They're actually good for us. Right? We need to understand that. <coughs> John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. I think that's in your book. It says, a new commandment I give you, that ye love one another, not that that's a new commandment, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. That's the new, that's the extent. And then he says in verse 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another. You know, you, you go out soul winning. By the way, it's Tuesdays at 7 o'clock if you'd like to. You, you go there and someone's mean to you. Right? I, 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 a while ago, I knocked on a door over here and, and no one was there. I left a track on the door and they came out and I, I'm, I'm going to guess and I'm not, you know, they had a certain lifestyle. I'm pretty sure they, they knew I, the church would not be for. And they, he came out and said, hey, why'd you leave this on my door? And he wanted to argue. Take this back right now. Now, you know what he thought? Angel, he thought I was going to argue with him. Like, bro, don't talk to me like that. Get out of my face. I'm like, I'm sorry, you weren't there, so I just left on your door. If you don't want it, I'll take it back, no problem. And he almost like, oh, he didn't know what to say. Like, have a good night. I'm not going to argue with the guy. Okay, I went to his house. And if he doesn't want it, he ain't getting it. I've, I've, I've seen people argue about the gospel. Oscar, where's, is Oscar in here? We went so, every time I go, I don't go with Oscar anymore, by the way. Every time I go with Oscar, something bad happens. <coughs> we, went, <coughs> we had somebody in our church at that time, and I think, I'm not, I, they were kind of maybe on the spectrum, you know, a little bit, that's fine. And they went soul winning, and someone thought it would be a good idea for them to talk to somebody. Um, so Oscar and I knock on this door, and it's Oscar's turn. He gives the guy a track, and the guy goes, Hey, I, I just met one of your members. And so the guy was all unhinged. And I'm like, I, I, so I, I took over. I'm like, I'm like, are you, no, are you, it's probably a different church. It's not ours. He goes, exact same invitation. He goes, the guy was arguing at me. And then he told me what the guy said. I, but I can't mention it in church. But it's not soul winning 101. The guy told, he was arguing with him. The guy told him what he could do with the track. Not the guy who got the track, the guy who gave it to him. Try talking to that person at the door. And I'm like, ah, uh, you, sure, you sure it was our church? It's like, like, I apologize. I said, man, I'm, I am so sorry. You know, everybody comes to our church, this, you know. I didn't know what to say. And after I talk, and he goes, the guy goes, well, you know, I, I, I probably did deserve it. I was a little rough. And so it was okay. We didn't get in a fist fight, and I apologize. We found out who it was later. And I said, I, the guy that was with him, I said, look, he, he came. I appreciate him coming. He shouldn't have done the talking. He goes, you know, I was talking to someone. I just saw him, I saw him talk to this guy in the street, and I thought I heard him yelling at each other. I'm like, oh, brother. Oh, bro. that's, that's not what we're looking for, okay? Um, <coughs> you, know what, you know what really makes people understand that we're Christians? Because of the way we interact with one another. The love we have. If we're constantly... <coughs> negative and fighting and, and people see that, you know what happens? It's like, I don't want any part of that. That's right. And so let's make sure. Now let me give you an extra credit for husbands and we'll be done. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. You ready? 
Husbands, love your wives. How you, all you newlyweds are like, cool, yeah, man, that's great. Yeah, but there's, there's something after that little mark there. Even, okay, as Christ also loved the church. There's another little thing, that, stuff that comes after that. And gave himself for it. That's tough. That's tough. He expects our love level to be really high. That's what we ought to strive for. Now, what's the point of all that? I have no clue. Except that (coughs) wherever level we end up on the love scale, right? It's going to take God's spirit to get us there. Because I'm like you. Look, you know, if I'm out so, sometimes people are just flat out rude, and you try to just give them a track, and it's like, you know, sometimes I want to say something. I'm going to go ahead then. But it's like, hey, have a great day. I'm not, I'm not there to be, I'm not there to, to make me feel good. I'm there to do God's work. Because the world needs love. Amen. And if they don't see it in us, they're not going to go to Christ for it, I don't think. How many of you remember Madeline Murray O'Hare? <coughs> she was the one responsible for, for getting prayer, for sure prayer, and probably Bible reading out of school too. She took her to the court. She, she was foul-mouthed, you name it. She did all kinds of not. She hated God. When she died, she was, she was viciously murdered, by the way. When she died, they found her diary in her home. And page after page after page had the same thing written on it. Here it was. Somebody, somewhere, please love me. Maybe early on in her life, and I'm not I'm blaming Christians, but maybe, if, maybe there was someone that, did, that had an opportunity and they didn't take it. So let's love this world. Let's pray together. <coughs> Our Father, we are grateful for your love. Your love, as you've mentioned in many verses that we are supposed to follow, is the ultimate example for us. We are to, to love like you love. That's a very, very, very lofty goal, one, Lord, that honestly we will probably never attain, but it doesn't give us excuse not to try. And I pray, Lord, that we would yield to our lives and listen to the Spirit of God as he tries to develop this quality in us. And Lord, that if we come short, that we would own up to it and make it right. May we be like Paul to say that we have a conscience void of offense, so that if people don't like what we believe, we've not given them any grounds because of how we've behaved. Help us to love like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.